Welcome to our spotlight today. We're very honored and excited to have Mr. Andre Pennington yes. Esquire. <laughs> and we've known him for quite some time. He's one of the top, maybe the top mm -hmm. uh, legal advisors in Arizona. Arizona, maybe maybe in the United States. I'm not sure. But before I butcher up your introduction, Andre, <laughs> I'd, I'd like you to just tell our, our viewers a little bit about yourself and what you're up to in these turbulent times. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. It's an honor to be here. Um, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about how we know each other and things like that. But um, yeah, I'm a... a a top estate planning attorney and a licensed financial professional. I mean, that's the surface layer. Um, really what it boils down to is wanting to use my talents, my skill sets to better serve families. Um, I looked at my own um, family tree and some of the things I personally endured. And one day it kind of clicked in my mind of what if somebody would have done some of the things that I'm helping families with a generation ago or a generation before that or before that. And what of those things that I would have avoided experiencing or, or my, maybe my sister who's one year younger than me. And I kind of take it with that level of importance. You know, we never know what depends on us doing the right thing today for maybe even a generation from now. And that's kind of the approach I take. So I think that's why one of the reasons we're so successful. Nice. So, so I'm sure our viewer is, is, is wanting to know what specifically are those things you're doing for people? <laughs> and, and, and I want to know what is Pennington wealth? Because I think that's something new on your sweatshirt, t-shirt there um, that maybe has transpired since maybe not since we last saw each other live. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, Pennington Wealth, it was born out of wanting to become a better estate planning attorney. Um, and the best way to talk about it is maybe a, the, the story that I interpreted as failure, right? So imagine I have a, an 85-year-old client mm -hmm. who just lost her husband. And there wasn't proper planning. So the reason we're even talking is because there wasn't a proper estate plan. And it just so happened at the exact same time that the market crashed. So let's say about 20% less of a retirement account that's being used to pay a fixed amount of bills. And all of that's transpiring in one moment. Wow. I couldn't help but think about like, what if a holistic approach was taken to this? There are a lot of ways that you can avoid losses as you're entering into retirement or once you're retired that just aren't being used because um, it's not the way most financial professionals make the most amount of money. Mm -hmm. So it was that moment that I sort of realized the leverage position that I was in and how the estate planning community doesn't view it as a holistic one thing. So Pennington Wealth was born out of Pennington Law and understanding in order for us to do our job best, we have to become experts at understanding um, financial services. And in particular, though most of our clients, not all, but most of our clients that come see us for an estate plan 
are hitting retirement age or after retirement age? And how do we look at things differently in that moment? So getting back to that real event that happened, I looked at that as an epic failure, as an epic failure, because dignity and quality of life in the last chapter, I don't know if it's too strong of a statement, but that defines who we are as a people and whether um, our elders have that, right? So for me, I put that in as a requirement to be able to do my job well, to be able to at least offer solutions to clients, to at least offer all of them so they can see the totality. And then I look at myself as a translator of the law, right? I remember my first day of law school, um, I walked into to law school thinking, you know what, I, I might be one of the smartest people to ever do it because I made it into law school and I sat down in my chair and people started talking. I was like, I'm pretty sure this is English, but I have no idea. <laughs> I might be one of the stupidest people to ever be in law school. Quickly switched over. <laughs> but but what I realized is it just took a while to understand what the terminology was, but I always stored that in my mind so I don't do that to my clients. So my job is to translate it down, break it down to the options that are on the table so they can easily choose. So it's a long answer to your short question. But that's what we do. We blend top-notch estate planning services with top-notch financial services and uniquely look at the spot in life that people are to help them avoid common pitfalls. It, wow. it sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds to me like um, a majority of your clients have done it wrong and now you've got to bring them from a reactive mode to a creation mode. Um, and if that's accurate, do you also, I'm sure you're available to people who want to be more proactive as well, but, you know, it's interesting because in the Toltec tradition, which I'm schooled in very, very gratefully. So they say most people don't ever make, do what is necessary to change until they're backed into a corner with a dagger hanging over their head. And that's a real graphic example of what i believe to be the truth is that is that true that most of the people are mm -hmm. have kind of are kind of in reactive mode that you that come to you and and yet i would assume you'd like to have people as well and you probably do who are more in proactive mode yeah i i that's an accurate statement um and i don't i was an estate planning attorney for for five years before i did my own estate plan so i get it like, it's not fun to think about. It's not fun. That's not the space. There's a little bit of cognitive dissonance there, right? Like, we mm -hmm. don't want to really believe that our time on this earth is finite, at least in this physical body, mm -hmm. right? So, so yes, a lot of people are in reactive mode, and I get it. We do have clients that are very proactive, and we can do incredible things early on. In fact, a lot of our strategies will dramatically change based on the point in life that we intersect. Mm -hmm. um, so absolutely. Uh, and, and to your question of what do I see most? Yes, I absolutely see things done one certain way. Um, and it's just, it's just a different viewpoint. It's like a lot of times if somebody does have a financial advisor, they, they get one in the spot where they're in this accumulation mode. Right. A lot of a lot of us have experienced getting in that rat race of like, I'm doing everything I can and I'm hoping it's enough. Right. 
right. as we start switching and changing dynamics in life and we start getting older, some of the accumulation, we want to give way to protection and preserve. Mm-hmm. And then as we're getting older, then we want to make sure that normal life events don't devastate our finances. And what I, what I mean by normal life events is Alzheimer's, dementia, assisted living, greater levels of care. Too often we see that final chapter drain out the wealth that's taken a lifetime to build, and then it's not actually transferred to the next generation. Right. So those are the things we try to avoid. So if somebody's in that accumulation phase, we're looking for tax-free type growth. If somebody's in that retirement and beyond phase, we're looking to ensure against life events that are very normal and natural that happen. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I, I mean, I'm sure it's a it's a very necessary business in today's world. I don't remember the exact statistics, but but they're pretty frightening when you look at how many of the baby boomers who who I am and and who are now aging have little to no savings in their savings account. And and so it's a very real issue of mm-hmm. what are we going to do, particularly, again, in turbulent times, which we're obviously in. Um, let me ask you this question. And it may have to do with your practice and it may just have to be a, a it may be a bigger picture for you. What what do you believe to be the greatest challenge that we're confronted with in today's world? My opinion, my little opinion, and I'm hoping that uh, hopefully this will will come out uh, the way I exactly mean it. It's our inability to have discourse with one another and have disagreements with one another and still understand that we're one people and that our future depends on us solving problems together. Mm. Nice. You know, um, and I don't know if I'm just becoming older, you know, but I find myself looking at generations a little bit differently, Mm -hmm. right? And I remember when I was younger, it didn't seem like, hey, you you have a different opinion. Now you're my enemy, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I've had a unique, I I grew up in Southern California. I went to a very, very uh, liberal undergrad school. And I'm, of course you did. What it is. <laughs> and then um, I joined the Air Force. That's how I started my legal career, which is, you know, no surprise, a more conservative um, entity. Mm-hmm. But what, what was great there is I was part of the JAG Corps, which are all attorneys from all over the country with all these different viewpoints. And what was great is we were actually friends and could listen to each other's different viewpoints. And what I quickly realized is we just see a different part of the elephant, right? One person's talking about the ear, another's talking about the tail. But if we all work together, we can piece together that puzzle for what we're actually looking at, not just for what we naturally see. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's the greatest the greatest challenge. And if I can add in a little subset, um, so many people are disconnected from their emotions and their true self. And and, and in my opinion, when we start getting that way, we start just 
walking without understanding the reasons of where we're going. So those two things combined, in my opinion, is the greatest challenge. And and do you believe that they they are synergistic with each other? That they that each of them affects the other? I do. I do believe they are. Right. If I'm if I'm connected with myself and my emotions, including my negative ones. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I've learned inside of me is just because I have a moment of selfishness pop up or maybe greed, the things we typically think are are negative. If there's some space and I'm connected with it and I understand it and I understand that's part of my human nature, I can critique it and change it if I want to, right? But to me, being connected with how you feel and where the thoughts are and making that distinction, is this one of these thoughts that have served me well in life? Or is this one of these thoughts that haven't? And then I can choose my action. Right. The more connected we are. And then I personally believe this. I feel like there's a whatever you want to call it, a spirit and energy, God, the Holy Spirit, whatever term people want to put on it. If we can connect to that and every day ask for the ability just to follow that, you know, the the things that I that people attribute to me that I've accomplished have nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with following that, Mm -hmm. which also gives the ability to remain supremely humble. Because I don't wake up every day and say, I've created this. I wake up every day and I'm a servant to this creation. Mm. Yeah, very, very profound. And I'm so happy to hear you say that because Mm -hmm. we've, we've discussed a lot with our clients and our podcasts and in a variety of venues that, that we live in a very secular world and we've moved from what we call the sacred to the secular. And the sacred is to have this, and this is metaphoric, but this vertical relationship, which is just a metaphor, vertical relationship with God, if you will, or Holy spirit creator, whatever you want to call that higher self and then you have this horizontal relationship, which is the world in which we live. Well, you need both. But unfortunately, we've become more and more and more secular. And the problem with that in, in our experience, and that's what we're experiencing in the world today, where there's so much turmoil. Yeah. Because when you grow up without this vertical relationship and without without that that connection to a higher being, which by the way, you know, 90 some percent of the people in the United States of America say they believe in God. And yet there's a big difference between believing in God and actually attempting to live a life that's connected to the morals and the virtues and the values and the principles. And, and when you come disconnected from that, then the only thing you have to judge of what's right and wrong, good or bad, is this horizontal relationship, and I look around me. So if I'm if I'm surrounded by gang members and I grow up in that kind of environment, then I'm programmed that certain things are okay and they're and they're good, and and you know that's how I'm conditioned. If I grow up in an environment where I have both parents at home, very rare in today's world, then and I and we we talk and we, and we actually do believe in God and we talk about morals and principles and values, then I'm conditioned with that. And so then we've got, as you're talking about, and I, I, I assume you can correct me if I'm wrong, you're talking globally as well as locally 
that the ability to disagree with each other and mm-hmm. to still remain connected is problematic worldwide. Wouldn't you agree? I, I would agree with that 100%. When I say we're one people, we're one people. You know, um, it's like being offered, uh, if all you know is vanilla ice cream and chocolate ice cream, you can form a very strong opinion which one you like more. And as time goes on, if that's all you're exposed to, it can get more and more cemented. But what about when you're when you're shown strawberry or cotton candy or, uh, uh, you know, whatever other flavors there are, it's like, then there's more information. But what I, what I found, or at least what I believe is we tend, human nature, maybe it is to start out with is to close ourselves off from the other information because it becomes uncomfortable. Mm. Right. And, and to me, life is about being able to deal in that being uncomfortable and still choosing knowledge, still choosing truth, and venture towards it, right? And I know it's completely different subjects, but that's kind of what I was talking about in the firm, mm-hmm. right? I was introduced with a new flavor. And it, you either are uncomfortable with a failure, because in that moment, I was not part of the solution. And it's uncomfortable to say, hey, I think I've not been successful at this point, even though people are telling me that I am, Mm. right? Mm. And then you can start exploring the other flavors, right? But yes, absolutely. I I had the opportunity this summer to travel. And I remember specifically, I was in Greece one day, the next day in London. And in both times, I was in the the vehicle with the, the person that was uh, transporting us with different political viewpoints of the United States. Mm. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm, I like to listen to what people have to say. Right. And I can take in, even I might have some opinions. I can take in one that's different. But what I noticed was as each person was talking, they became more and more energized and then started attacking me in with different viewpoints. Hmm. And I never said what mine was, <laughs> right? That yeah. to me is like a little microcosm of what we have going on globally. Mm, right. and, and, and James, you're right about that. We are so disconnected. If somebody says Allah, Allah hmm. versus Jesus Christ, that's a war. Yeah. Instead of understanding, maybe we're talking about the same thing with a slightly different understanding. Right. Maybe if I take the time to know what those values are and what those opinions are, some of those might cross-reference with some of my own, right? That's what I learned in the military. And I, and I would suggest that yeah. many of them probably do. You know, I've, yeah. I've been really blessed, and Beersheba has as well. I mean, she grew up in the Middle East, and so mm-hmm. she's been exposed to a whole host of, of different conditioning and and opinions and and um and i've been really blessed to study most of them and there's common threads through all of them yeah and if we can find our common ground then you know there are certain things that i absolutely don't agree with i just don't but that's okay you don't you know you don't have to agree with me you know uh, um, understanding does not equal agreement 
if you follow, you can understand and not not necessarily agree. So really, I, I didn't expect to get into this conversation with you here today, but it's really refreshing. <laughs> um, here's here's a question that might be a little controversial. What else is new? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I'm kind of a controversial guy, but um, with your legal background, I'm really curious, Andre, what are your thoughts about what's going on in the world legally right now? The law profession. So let me get for the viewers that 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 don't know, I'm actively a part time Superior Court judge in Arizona. Oh, wow. I, I own and operate Pennington Law. Um, and I've been a justice court judge in Arizona, and then I have a background in 17 years in the military with military law. Um, my opinion on that, which may be controversial, is our love for money is corrupting our services. Mm. And I don't, and I'm not just picking on the legal field. I'm picking on the medical field. I'm picking all the service fields, right? The inability to put our services first and what we're really there to do is impacting the world. Yeah. Wow. That's not controversial with us. Nicely put. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's to me, if you are awake and you're paying attention, and God knows, I mean, Andre, you you know about my history and how my entire world, everything I believed in and everything I thought was true got completely shattered in, in 2009, 2010. And given that experience, and then and then Beersheba growing up in Iran, you can talk for yourself. Um, oh, but, saying the so-called democracy taking over. Yeah. yeah. And, <laughs> the and, revolution. You know, that shattering for me mm makes it much easier for me to see things clearly now because mm -hmm. I had this illusion of what things really were and I realized they weren't. Beersheba has has an easier time because she grew up when things were pretty obvious what they were. And and so um yes, mm -hmm. I I think I think money has become our God. Mm -hmm. Literally. And and if you look at the word worship and and you look up the definition of the word worship, it's a deep adoration, attention, and focus. Well, if you understand that, then you understand whatever you adore, whatever you give the most attention to, whatever you focus the most on or even worry the most about becomes your worship. And that's that's where we are. Yeah. You know, money has become our God. And and it's unfortunate, I think, I think work has become our religion and and what is what is it you say you get oh materialism has become our faith yeah <laughs> materialism has become our faith and and yeah. so it's it's brought us to where we are and the good news is is that i believe more and more people like myself and it sounds like you as well and others are starting to step back and go wait a minute all these things we've devoted our life to and we've lived our life for, maybe I should take a new inventory here. Maybe I should consider what I'm doing and and do something different. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think, I mean, it's a simple idea. Of, okay, I'm, I'm 
imagining us all opening our eyes in the morning. What's the first thing we think about? What's the first thing we do? Right? And I think it's very different lives on what it is, right? Am I opening my eyes in it, being grateful to breathe the air? Right? Am I opening my eyes being grateful that I have my family surrounding me? Because I, I didn't always have that in life and I know what it feels like not to have it. Right? Am I grateful about that? Or am I reaching for my phone to see what's going on on Instagram or Facebook? Or am I reaching for my phone and opening up my account to see how much money is there or not there or my mm -hmm. bank account? Mm -hmm. Or am I rushing into the worries of the job? And these fine little distinctions shape the direction of society. And I agree wholeheartedly I think along the way, we confused more money can be good because we can afford food, we can afford shelter, but what it does not give us is immortality. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, subconsciously or somewhere inside, it's been crosswired where, oh, the more the better. And then all of a sudden, it's like, we don't take this with us, guys. All you have to do, traveling through Europe, um, which is the first time I ever had was afforded the opportunity to do it. What it what it showed me was that people really created a lot of images of themselves, <laughs> like the the ones that were in charge, and it hit me in the sense of like to them that that meant immortality, mm. right? And that's what I think we've confused things with with this money issue and why there's this worship without actually worship. We think we're not right right because we've caught in our minds it's like it's clicked where this means i'm going to live forever and again being uncomfortable being comfortable being uncomfortable with knowing life is finite at least how we understand it in this physical form and that's just what it is and if we can accept that and for those of us who've had the opportunity to have life experiences and actually been there and realize like this thing that I strive for has left me empty, not full. And that to me is what money does if it's all about money. Mm -hmm. right. right. But if it's for the reasons, if we have it, there's a definite distinction. If it's a byproduct of what I'm doing, and then that's an extension of me, what I will do in the future, mm. it could be a massively good thing, but it's different reasons. And I would suggest it, it. it's on that moment when you wake up, what's guiding you. And, and do you think, you know, I'll tell a quick story. I, I spoke, I've, I've spoken with a lot of companies and a lot of conferences throughout my career. And I spoke at a really large network marketing company once, massive. You'd know who they were if I said the name. And I was the keynote speaker and I was backstage and there was a young man who had won some prize and he got to be backstage with all the the big kahunas not me i was the keynote speaker but all the big people in the industry and as well as the keynote speaker and he was so charged up he was a young guy in his early 20s and he came up to me and he introduced himself and and i he was so excited and i i said so how long have you been in this industry he goes oh i just joined I've, you know just been a few months i said so why did you join he said because i hear you can make a lot of money <laughs> and I, I thought, 
which is very different from what you've just described. I thought inside you probably won't. And I'm curious, you know, agree or disagree, Andre, do do you believe if if you're looking for money for more more choices, more opportunities versus just money for significance, if you will, or money for money, do you believe that there's a metaphysical uh, cause or driver behind that that causes you to either get it or not get it? Do you think that's part of it? I, I 100% think that's part of it, 100%. Um, I want to say this first, too. Money is just a barometer. It's one measurement. It's just one measurement of success. Not everything. What I believe is that people should do what complements their heart, what makes them sing. Oftentimes, when you connect with that, it's monetized because of the society that we live in. Mm. Right? But why we do things, it's the why behind it that's important. And it's the mindset that matters right so if you're doing it for money to me that that signifies a lower lower mindset mm. right but if i'm doing it for this is my life's purpose this is my why behind why i'm here this is how to help people in my experience trying to max out my own aptitude and trying to learn when it's my time to learn there's a byproduct of making more money in there. Mm. And as an attraction, you said metaphysical, metaphysically, you're now vibrating on a higher level and like attracts like, right? So what I found, I became an expert in estate planning. Mm. Almost every business venture that I get into, because what I found is somebody else might be an expert in say real estate. Well, then you have two spheres that there's this commonality in the center that I have this integral piece on one, they have this integral piece on one, and by partnering, it explodes, mm. right? So as an example, that's one way that it happens. But someone who's looking just to make money, in my opinion, what they're going to do is maybe they'll make some or they won't, but they'll end up being unhappy. Mm-hmm. I certainly, no, I certainly agree. Agree with that. <laughs> so, so here, put on, put on your uh, wise counsel hat, <laughs> and I'm going to ask you, given what you've talked about about the disconnect of communication, and and we've been, I mean, we've gone through several things here about about our relationship with God or higher self, and mm-hmm. and and the reason we do what we do, and and money being such a driver in some good ways, some bad ways in the world, what's the solution, Andre? What do you believe that we as individuals can and should do to to change this, fix this issue? That is one of the toughest questions anybody's ever asked me. <laughs> um, good, I'm glad to have that moniker. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to attempt to answer it. Uh, what should we do? We have to connect back to self. What does that mean? Opinion. We have, in, in my opinion, when we connect to self, 
is how we came into this world, right? Everybody's looked into the eyes of a baby or a child, right? Mm -hmm. And they think they're capable of anything, right? One day they get this wild idea that I'm going to walk. No proof in the entire world that they specifically can do it because they've never taken a step before right but there's something inside of them that's driving them to take this step and to turn it into two and if we've been around kids they don't want to walk anywhere once they get it they want to run everywhere (laughs) right that's the enthusiasm that's what we need to connect to inside that internal driver that's driving us forward to good and if we take the time to dissect ourselves and really understand, there's like I said in the beginning, there's nothing wrong. It, some people, jealousy is going to be an emotion that's mm-hmm. stronger than others. All you have to do is know that, right? And if we can take the time to understand how we function, there's this internal guide that propels us forward to the greater good, mm-hmm. right? Now, I know that seems simple, but it's the hardest thing in the world to do consistently. It requires that baby to fall down over and over and over with no proof it's ever going to happen, except they get one step. But we as a society, sometimes we quit before we get the step. Mm -hmm. Then we get the step and we're celebrating so hard about the step, not realizing that we are going to eventually run one day if we keep going forward without getting stuck on the step, right? And I think most people are not trying to maximize their day, right? They don't realize we have 24 hours and it's one of the most brilliant gifts. Like imagine what all had to come together for these 24 hours we're going to experience, right? No matter what your beliefs are. Yeah, And we have this amazing opportunity to do something great today. And some people are going to just settle for, I'm sad, I'm depressed. Nothing ever works out for me. And there's an infinite other possibilities, but we got to be willing to go for the first step and then the second and then learn to walk. And before you know, if we do it enough times correctly, we're capable of doing things that were unimaginable. And that to me is where the humility comes in. I think that's another hurdle, right? Mm -hmm. We can't be humble understanding. I think it's the effort and the failure that builds in the humility. And if we can stay humble, we can stay on the path. And I, that's what I think is the solution to the world's problems. Just walking your own path the best you can, understanding that every day is a great day. Mm -hmm. And everyone is giving infinite possibilities. And if we all do our part, we start going in a positive direction. But if we continue this money worship, if we continue this ego worship, if we continue the titles and the things that don't matter, we're going to continue to devolve until one day we understand that out of chaos still becomes beauty. We're going to get there no matter what. But sometimes we have to learn the hard lessons. And that to me is what society is learning right now. Oh, okay, you have an opportunity to choose the better path, but it sounds like you need a lesson instead. 
Yes. Right? Yeah. And life has a brilliant way of, of doing that. Of doing that. <laughs> um, I, I can speak from experience and I think all three of us can. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things you said, and I, I won't be able to quote it exact, but it was profound about the child walking and pretty soon they're they're running and they're going towards good. You use the word good. And it triggered in me that there's an esoteric axiom that says, I am the center of expression for the primal will to good, which eternally creates and sustains the universe. I'm a center of expression for the primal will to good, which also almost presupposes that the primal will to good is, is independent of us. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, that there is, there is something that is a primal will to good. And what we have to become is a great center of expression for that. Does that resonate with you at all? That, that absolutely resonates with me. Um, 100%. So much so that I'm almost a little speechless with it. That sums it up so perfectly. Mm. Mm. Right. And I think if we all take a moment and, and, and just settle down, we can hear that voice inside of us driving us to good. Mm. Right. It's just driving us there. No matter how much we don't, we won't listen. No matter how much we fail at it, whenever we stop, it's still driving us there. And what it looks like for some people who figured out some of the steps, right, is is that they're capable of doing these amazing things. And and maybe that means I'm not capable of it. Mm. But I look at it as just being a different part on that journey. That's right. right. Those that, that connect with that more quickly, quickly is not even the right word. You can do it wrong mm-hmm. 40 out of 43 years of your life. Right. But if you get it right that one day, it's immediate. No one can take the mindset. Once you have it, it's yours. Mm -hmm. To your point earlier with the, hey, I just want to, I heard this is a place to make money. Well, that's a certain mindset. Right. Will lead to a certain place. But if if, if I heard this was a great company doing great things in the world, and I just want to be a part of that, that is driving us towards good. Mm-hmm. And if there's money to be made there, then you will make a ton of it. Right. <laughs> but I believe God, life, whatever you want to call it, ultimately will only give you those things if you're the right center of gravity for it to flow through. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we're going towards that greater good. So I love that. <laughs> i do too and i can't i'm, gonna, I'm gonna real quick i'm going whenever this records i'm going to record that piece and i'm going to memorize yeah. that, that is yeah so so yeah i'll repeat it again for our viewer i am a center of expression for the primal will to good which eternally creates and sustains the universe so yeah so that <laughs> let, let's just yeah i know I we've got I, we want to keep you on time and and i want you know, we always talk about, um, you know, so to some degree, alchemy. And alchemy sounds mystical, but it's 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 the art and science of transmutation. Taking something that appears to be trash and transmuting it into treasure, to something low value into high value. Mm-hmm. We know, because we know you, that you've been through some really tough times, challenging times mm-hmm. in your life. And, and we'd love to hear a little bit about that 
and how you got through that, if you would. Yeah. Um, wow. That's a, a large thing. Um, I didn't have the best childhood. I was say it that way. Um, some of my first memories are pure and utter fear. Mm. And I think a lot of the viewers probably can relate to some of that. Right. And uh, I saw a lot of things I shouldn't see. I'll give a couple of examples. Uh, I wasn't raised by my mother. I had a stepmom who was addicted to heroin, who was a prostitute. We, it was so prep needles were so prevalent around us that we used them as part of our childhood games, which I'm wow. sure is bringing up all kinds of thoughts for people. Um, uh, I can remember being chased home by drug dealers with my sister and us having the split up because I'm guessing she didn't did something wrong. Uh, I spent some time in foster care. But what I learned through that, number one, I don't know if this is true or not, but this is the story I created in my mind because I wanted a stronger story than just life happens to me. I created this story and I do believe it's true. I volunteered for this. I volunteered for this because I knew that I was strong enough to have it all happen and still come out good. And I took personal responsibility for my family's generational tree, right? And I, I said, this is my branch and it can't be near the one that's growing. So I'm gonna break it off and I'm gonna plant it into the ground over here. Now, again, that ultimate humility, that's why I have it. Because I kept going down, I kept trying and going, finding myself in bad spots. I got into law school and I remember praying in the back of a police car, please let me out of this. I will correct that behavior. Please just give me one more chance. And when I mean please, it's the, the agony, please. Mm -hmm. And luckily, through the grace of God, I got another opportunity. But our greatest weaknesses, our, our greatest pain, our ultimate powers beyond our belief, if we can have the courage to stare them directly in the eye. You know, that thing that we talked about being that epicenter driven towards good. Some of us have a family tree that pulls us for, for periods in the opposite direction if we allow it to. True. And I have this metaphor that I thought of in my life. My job is to go into this room and to turn on the lights. And there's going to be a demon sitting across from me. And my job is to look it directly in the eyes until it gets up and leaves. We have no idea how powerful we are. And with that story, like with what I went through, going into court, I'm not scared anymore. If I have to fight for some, if it's my job to fight for somebody else, I have zero fear. 
all I think about is that client. If I have a client that comes in, that even in the estate planning world, when they come into me, I have zero qualms about doing everything that's right for them. Out of that kind of pain, it's like an extra superpower. And that's why I think I volunteered for it. Because life, it's scary to some of us. Right? Success, in my opinion, success is one of the most scariest things that we're going to encounter. And we've all probably seen somebody who had, you will find out your character in success. Mm-hmm. And being molded through the fire for me, and I say this with great humility because it's a daily renewing of the self. And some days it's a failure. You admit it was a failure and you commit to getting back and doing it again differently. But one of the things I'm most proud of is those things that should have destroyed me have only given me greater character, have only given me a greater ability to understand people and have empathy and the ability to create boundaries around myself as well. Mm -hmm. So how did I overcome that? It's everything we've talked about in this show. (laughs) It's living those truths when I had to artificially make them happen artificially i have to remind myself you are a child of god Mm. you have power beyond measure and i'm reminding myself when i don't believe it until it becomes who i am and then now i believe it and i act from it and i try and be that light for other people to say hey if i don't believe it for myself i can see it through this guy right and i'm more than willing to be that right? Because that's part of the path. So out of all of that darkness, now it's like, I've I've had created foster homes for foster children, nonprofits, right? I help people in some of their most scariest moments. And I'm not afraid to get better. And when I reach a limit to exceed that limit, because that's what life requires. Right? So for me, It's all one story. It's all one picture. And it feels a lot in my world. I could probably say things that put a lot of focus on that, but it's a little asterisk in the entire story. Mm -hmm. It's a start. It's a foundation. It was a way for me to understand life, way for me to understand my own courage, Mm -hmm. my own fears, my failures that ultimately I realized when I, when I grew up a little bit, they weren't failures. You were a child. Mm -hmm. right and your time hasn't come but i'll tell you something that i do for myself regularly and i don't have any proof that it that it works and it's not based out of a book i've ever read (laughs) but i promised myself like when i took one of those first steps hey always talk back to your older self and remind remind yourself who you become Mm -hmm. so I, i i literally picture myself talking to a child who's just been thrown across the floor maybe slammed into a wall maybe a nose bleeding and seeing this gigantic giant who's responsible for it completely and utterly helpless and I take myself today 
won a brown belt in jujitsu. I have a ton <laughs> of courage. I'm a fighter. And I put myself in that story and stand there and say, one day you become me. You are strong. You are capable. And this is a moment. And I am here for you now. You become something great. And I am willing it to happen. I'm part of that little voice that you hear every day if you stop to listen. You can accomplish whatever is in your heart, little man. So get up and you have courage this day. And I promised myself that I would do that. So when I was scared that I couldn't do law school, there was that voice telling me, you become a great attorney, right? When I was scared about taking the bar, I don't know if I can pass this test. You already did it. Time just needs to catch up. When I was scared about being able to take care of myself in this world, I can tell myself money is no longer an issue for you. You are living a greater purpose than just money. To use your words, that is not your religion. Life and good and being a child of God and letting it flow through you, that's your mission. So I tell myself these things all the time, constantly. Mm -hmm. And I guide myself along my own journey with our creator. And that's how I did my life. And that's how I continue to do life. And that's what I think is the solution to the world's problems. <laughs> Understanding that this is your life. You have responsibility. And if, you, if the words are resonating, maybe you even volunteered for it. Because you knew you could do it. And then it's just about courage. And being able to fall a hundred times, a thousand times before you take the first step. And then give yourself two minutes to celebrate because there's another one coming. Wow. I don't think I have a follow-up question to that. I think that's um you know, got bears of a <laughs> wash washing down here. Uh but and yeah, that that's a powerful, powerful ending. And you know, the only thing I would I would like to say is it's really an honor and a privilege to know you. And yes. <laughs> Sheesh, Andre. Yeah. I mean, you made our day here. This is <laughs> holy moly. This is way more than I expected. Shame on me. Yeah. I didn't expect us to to go here. Um, but, but I'm thank you for that. Thank you for that. I'm mm -hmm. grateful that we did, and I'm sure it's gonna bless a lot of people who yes. are viewing. Uh, how just just to wrap this up, how how do our viewers find out more about you and what you're doing? I'm sure they're gonna want to. Where do they go? Do you have a URL or or do you have a special place? And, and we'll make sure and post it underneath this. Sure. It's uh you can go to penningtonestateplanning.com. Hmm. That's my law firm's website. Um, in my bio, it, it talks about me and <clears throat> some of what I believe are my my true beliefs. I try to put it out there. Um you know, I, when you asked me to come on this show with you, um, I want to tell you this, you 
and where you were at and what you've done in your life has impacted me so profoundly. So profoundly. I want you to know that. I mean, I was on my knees with life. And I'm not ashamed to admit this. I didn't know if I could keep going. Right? It was that moment that I think a lot of our viewers can can relate to. Mm -hmm. And your life's work hit me in that moment. You know, and to see us come full circle this way and to to be able to bless one another's life um, is just a, it, it's unbelievable to me. I will be honest with you. Um, but I just want to say thank you for being you. Um, I know a lot of your story. I don't know all of it, but I know the kind of good you're putting out in the world. And just thank you for being you. I know you've impacted a lot of people in a lot of positive ways. And you guys together, um, you're a powerful good. So it, it's my complete honor. And, and I mean that in an honor in a very humble way to be be part of this with you. Well, it's it's mutual. It really is. And and so, mm -hmm. you know, if we can just get every lawyer and every judge <laughs> to be to, like to you. be like be like Andre. Let's make a t shirt. <laughs> yes, be, be like, like Andre. <laughs> no, seriously. I mean you're yeah, you're, wow. You're, you're an amazing Andre. man, Mr. Mm -hmm. Pennington. And it's such it's such an honor and it's been so enjoyable to have you here. And God bless you. Yes. Uh, lots of love to you. And for you as a viewer, go check him out. Yes. Check him out. We'll put the link down below mm -hmm. and um, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for being here. God bless. Mm -hmm.